Hey yo, ladies and gents, how you doing? How you live? This is Austin and Justin Treese of Talking Football, and today we will be breaking down what are we at now? Week seven of the NFL season. A lot is going on. I feel like I say this every week. Teams are doing better than we think, and then there's other teams that are doing very poorly. Ask Treese about the Atlanta Falcons, and he'll tell you how he lost a hundred dollars in one day because of it. It's something that he thought he'd be making a lot of money on isn't really going the way that he thought. But before we get into breaking down week seven like we usually do, we're going to go ahead and go over our cold cuts, our fling of the week, and then we're going to break down our top 15. We just posted on social um, our full power rankings of 1 through 32 or 32 through 1, however you want to look at it. But we've been both been saying all year that a week five or six, four, five, and six, Weeks of the season are where you really start to see what direction teams are heading and kind of where they're starting to line themselves out. And then you can kind of guide or guess where the rest of the season is going to go from there. So we'll be discussing that down, and then we're going to jump into the prop bets for tonight's game and the rest of the week. And that is going to pretty much be today's episode. But before doing that, Trees, he's gone, man. He's gone. Two firsts and a fourth. Jalen Ramsey is flying all the way across the United States to play for the Los Angeles Rams, who had just traded Marcus Peters about maybe 10 minutes beforehand to Baltimore. So they send one guy to the East Coast, and then they take another guy from an East Coast and bring him to the West. A lot of back and forth on top premier corners in the league, but Jalen Jalen Ramsey is no longer a Jaguar, and that is a name that you almost had your son. Like, that is a name that almost belonged to your son. It is. Uh, I didn't think you were going to start out with this, so th- this threw me off a little bit. We have yet to talk about it at all, right? Like you, I did it on purpose because I didn't want to hear any thoughts. I didn't want to see any reaction. This is this is completely raw take from Mr. Treese here because I sent a message the other night on Twitter just to see if he was okay, and I got a picture back of, I think, a shot. And then a whole glass, of, a whole a cup of beer, whatever the yeah. hell you want to call it. A pint <laughs> of beer. Yeah. So as, as soon as it happened, I just said, fuck it. <laughs> Left the office, walked across the street, and went to the bar. So that was fun. Uh, my wife still does not know about that. She'll learn about it when she listens to this episode. But, hey, that's cool. Real quick before you keep going here, sorry. What time did the news break for you? Uh like five o'clock a little maybe a little bit before that something like that yeah that's tough <laughs> long yeah. day of work fuck it yep, yep fuck it <laughs> so <clears throat> here's the deal i wasn't as upset as i thought i was gonna be and maybe it's because like we all just knew it was coming and it was just like hey th- he's gonna get traded so like i did i honestly did think that they were going to try to keep him this year and then go into the offseason to see if they could rebuild it. And then if not, just trade him next or trade during the offseason, like before the draft. But same time, writing was kind of on the wall, especially when he had his heart to heart with Shad Khan. And Khan's like, hey, I think he's going to play this week. And then he didn't. I think that at that point, Khan was like, OK, it's OK to trade him. He's not he's not fully invested in the Jaguars. Um. So I just wasn't as upset like 
vocally as I thought I would be. I thought I'd be like screaming and yelling, but I, I kind of was just like, it was just quiet. And I was just like, fuck, like that sucks. Like Jalen was the guy, like he was the, he was the face of that, of this franchise. So that really hurt. They got fucking top dollar for him though. They, and that's why, and maybe that's why I'm not as upset. I'm like, shit, dude, two first rounders and a fourth. Like you, you couldn't have asked for more. Like you really couldn't have. So you can do a lot with that. Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. You're right. You absolutely can. Um, this team is going to have a lot of rebuilding to do. Um, so speaking of rebuilding, though, Tom Coughlin, you're a piece of shit. Get out of Jacksonville. Maybe you can do one good thing for this organization before you leave, and that's just. Jalen's been gone for about 28 hours at this point. Why is Yanni Kingakwe not re-signed to a monster deal by this point? You should have had that just in the fucking books. Just, hey, let's just get this done. Because the problem was, like, you were trying to pay Miles Jack. You were trying to figure out how to pay all three of them. One of them just got fucking headed to the West Coast over by me. So you have all this money now. You sign Yanni Kingakwe. Clay Campbell's going to be gone. Right, like he's having an awesome year again. He's going to be around next year again, but he's that's the end of his contract, and he's going to be thirty-four. He's not coming back after the end of next year. You sign Yannick long term, and you build that team around Josh Allen and Yannick Ngakwe. You're doing exactly what the Broncos are doing, right? They have Von Miller, they have Bradley Chubb, two bookend defensive ends coming around trying to cause havoc. You build it around those two and let everything happen. Uh, Miles Jack has low key been terrible this year. So they, I honestly hope that they drafted another linebacker with one of those picks. There's a lot of good linebackers in this draft. I hope that they find a way to get one. So long story short, um, I'm sorry if anybody wanted like a huge tangent, I'm upset because he's my guy, but at the same time, top dollar, they can do a lot of good things with it. I don't trust this front office to do anything correctly with it though. I mean, they've been dog shit taking first round picks so why would this change but hopefully they don't because you're right they can do a lot with these picks so we'll see how it goes i mean that makes sense your all your points that you made there are valid in your feelings but i mean like you said the writing was on the wall i mean we, we everyone saw it coming after the conversation with con it was i mean even you said like he wants this matchup with michael thomas and so when i'm sitting in dallas and i see jalen ramsey's not playing today I was like, wow. Like, for me, to me, just me, I was like, yeah, he's probably gone. And I wanted to send you a message and make a comment, but I was like, no, this isn't the time. <laughs> Surely isn't the place. And the Texans had just about taken the lead on the Chiefs before the half was over, so I wasn't ready to receive any comment back at the point, um, at that time anyways. But, yeah, this is tough, man. And with Jacksonville, if they do go get another linebacker, it's probably going to be Kenneth Murray um, out of Oklahoma. And the Jaguars' defense is just going to continue to be fast, fierce, and physical, and we're going to have to see another year of it. But now you have a quarterback and a receiver. You still have a running back who's maybe a little inconsistent in an offensive line that's being built. So, I mean, maybe you got a lot more to be optimistic about than you realize. Yeah, I, I still think that they need another receiver. I still think they need a lot of offensive line help. They need 
DB help. They need linebacker help. So they, they have their holes. But, I mean, four first-rounders in the next two years, you can fill a lot of those holes in two years. I mean, I know their cap looks like shit right now, but in two years it's going to look amazing. Next year it's going to look amazing. They're going to get rid of guys like Marcel Darius and clear up like $22 million in cap space. Like, they they have like all these contracts that they can get rid of. I mean, fuck, dude. They might get rid of Nick Foles' contract. Yeah. He clears up $33 million. Like, you can He's clear going up... going straight to Tampa. Yeah. They can clear up almost $60 million of cap space with two players. So, like, the cap is... it. It's very misleading. So, people that, like, look at those, like, when... I know, like... Adam Schefter and all these guys like, oh, look at all these who has all this money. It's so misleading. Like those are those are bullshit numbers. Like they, they they're just not real because of all the offseason changes each team has. Yeah. I mean, and when you like you said, you got four firsts in the next two years. This next year's class is deep in receivers and it's deep in corners. You're gonna find some guys there, especially yep. with the emergence of DJ Shark. Um, AJ Bouye, you think he stays or do you think they're moving on from him in a couple years? Uh, so his contract ends at the end of next year. So I think they just keep him as well. So I think him and, uh, Campbell both leave after the 2020 season. Okay. Awesome. I got you. I'm on page with you. So a lot of changes so far in the NFL. It's an industry that definitely never sleeps as a business that never stops moving or changing. And that's why we love it. And that's why we're sitting here talking about it. You know, we're sitting here talking football all the time, but now it is time for our cold cut and fling of the week. Um, Therese, I'll give you a break here, and I'll go ahead and go over the fling of the week. Mine is going to be two nominations, and one is going to be a throw that we saw on Monday night from Aaron Rodgers to, I believe the name is Alan Lazard. Um, he is a receiver that has been sitting next to Aaron Rodgers in meetings. Um, He's been working hard in practice. Rodgers praised him after the game and said, hey, he knew his mama was coming because of his preparation and his work ethic. So you love to see that, and then you love the physicalness that he plays with in Lazard because even at the end of the game, he catches a comeback route, turns around, and then just bulldozes right into Coleman, the corner for the Lions. And right when I saw that, I had just turned the game on. I was like, dang. Uh, I don't remember seeing this kid before. And then you see the highlight reel of the game, and you're like, damn, I guess we're about to know who he is. And when Devontae Adams comes back, and then you're sitting here with what is it? what's the MVS, not MVP, MVS? Yep. Valdez, Scantling, Scanting. Yep. Scantling. There's you're an right. L in there. That's right. There's an L. That's a pretty good combination for the Packers. But that's my Fling of the Week nomination number one. The second one is Kyler Murray throwing a bomb down the left side of the sideline. I do not recall who caught it, but that ball landed perfectly between the defender and the sideline right into the bread basket of the receiver door. He was in a position to kind of honestly keep running and get both feet in bounds and then fall and then make sure he had possession. So my winner is actually going to be Kyler Murray just because it was the emergence this week, his official breakout game into the NFL, making a difference, and then helping the Cardinals get a win against the poor Atlanta Falcons defense. But still, you cannot discredit that throw because of an Atlanta Falcons defense. That is a tough throw to make, especially when you're about 5'5", standing behind 6'5", offensive linemen. So you got to give them props where it's due. Love it. Love it. All right. I have three cold cuts today. So one was the early morning game on Sunday in London with, again, Christian McCaffrey, who won it for us last year or last week, mm-hmm. put 
uh, what's his name? Vernon Hargrave just on his ass, just straight on his ass. It was, it was dirty. So that was a good one, but I kind of think that was a little bit of the field that gave it a little bit more oomph to it. Uh, the second one is D.D. Westbrook down the sideline, starts to cut in, spins back to the outside, and then gains another about eight yards. Love that one. And then the third one, who I have as my winner, is Mike Williams. Chargers had a very rough night, Sunday night. But Mike Williams had an awesome little arrow route, per se, about two-yard route, broke a tackle, and then gave this guy a little shimmy and then went up the sideline and got another about 15 yards. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, we posted it on the Twitter channel. You guys should check it out. It's awesome. Dude, I, lo- I love cold cuts. I just love them. They're just awesome. Yeah, because, I mean, you sit there and you watch it, and you cannot help but make, like, the oof sound. Or, like, you're, like you just shrug your shoulders up, and you get, like, a ooh, like, ah, wow. Absolutely, absolutely. So those you, wish you, could, the you wish they could add that in Madden without losing about six yards afterwards or getting hit immediately following it, but no. I'm still waiting to speak to someone from Madden. I haven't played it in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I played it this weekend for the first time in a few weeks. And it was fun. When was the last time you played before that? When you beat me. Oh, shit. I didn't yeah. even mean to do that. But, yeah, that's yeah. right. No, for sure. That is right. I it was you. wild. So it had been a bit. We should play this weekend. Yeah, we'll see. I'll be in St. Louis, but we'll see. Just take it. Lauren won't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let me see how that rolls over there, pal. <laughs> you funny <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the games now. So... Just because I want to just uh, flaunt my skills a little bit. Again, I'm up by four on the player prop bets. And I'm up by five on betting against the spread. You got some catching up to do. Up to do. <laughs> he mocked me mocking you. Fuck yeah, you. Exactly. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> All right. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Thursday night. It's your team, dude. You got the Denver Broncos. So you got a little bit of traveling to do with the Chiefs. Let's start out with the against the spread. So Chiefs are three-point favorites. You taking your Chiefs, or are you going with the Broncos here? I'm actually going to take the Chiefs. I mean, a three-point spread here. Um, you win by field goal. What is that, a push then? Is that what it's considered? Yeah. A push if it doesn't end up by three. Yep. Usually these games are a lot closer than you'd like. There's always these key third downs for Patrick Mahomes to convert that we saw last year in both games. But, man, the Broncos are just so good at what the Chiefs are really bad at. And the Chiefs are bad at stopping the run. And the Broncos are finally figuring out their game plan for running the ball. I've said it the last couple weeks, but they have been efficient. They have been great on the defensive side of the ball and getting early turnovers and taking over the game. And if they can do that against the Chiefs and run the ball efficiently, the Chiefs are going to lose three straight. That's tough to say, and it might be four straight once they play the Packers next week. And it could very easily be five straight playing the Vikings the week after. So this Chiefs stretch of October into November is not easy especially when a lot of teams in the NFL are finding success in running the ball, except for the Chiefs. Yeah. So this is going to be a tough game. But, I mean, I've been optimistic about them all week. I'll wait till we get here with the, with the prop bets before I take a full deep dive um, analytical process with the game. Okay. Sounds good. I mean, let's just d- dive right into it then. I'll give, you th- I'll give you the Chiefs guys first. I'll go Broncos first. Okay. So- 
Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Mr. MVP, 320 passing yards. Over or under, Austin? Um, I'm actually going to take the over here. The Broncos, I know, are dealing with some injuries in their secondary. Yes, the Chiefs' offensive line has not been good, and pressure has been getting to Patrick Mahomes easily. But these last six weeks, the Chiefs you know, have been in close games. And you think, man, they're kind of having a bad game. It's just not much exploding on the offensive side of the ball. It's kind of boring. The defense is on the field a lot. And then you look at the stat line, and Patrick Mahomes is like 27 for 37 for 330 yards. And you're sitting here like, holy shit. I didn't even realize this dude's thrown for 330 yards as we've watched him throw four 50-yard bombs down the field. We're so used to seeing it that these numbers are just kind of like, eh, all right. So I'm expecting another big game from Mahomes, even with the ankle injury on a short week in Denver in that altitude. I also am going to take the over, and I didn't say it at the start, but I'm also taking KC over or on the spread at minus three. So same on both of those. Let's go with the next one. Damian Williams, 34 rushing yards. Ah, uh, you know what? I'm going to take the, oh, <laughs> I know. I'm taking the under. He's good in the screen game between carries between Damian Williams, Daryl Williams, and then Shady McCoy. I just don't think he gets over the rushing of 34 yards. They spread the ball too much, but he's deadly in the screen game. So 34 receiving yards, absolutely. Rushing, not so much. I'm going to take the over because I think that Andy Reid is a very smart gentleman, and I think he's going to say, well, you know what? We're struggling, and why didn't we not struggle like this last year? And it's because they stuck to one guy. Rather than trying to play this committee with three different guys, they really did have a workhorse last year, and that was obviously Hunt until the whole situation. And then Damian Williams came in, and he was kind of the guy. Uh, and I think that he's finally going to say, let's see what the, let's see what this offense looks like. If I keep one back in there and let them roll and just see what happens rather than playing this whole, take them in and out. And I, and I could see them easily saying McCoy is the guy that comes in with a breather. And then Daryl Williams just doesn't even come in at all. I could see him just not getting like, like less than three, uh, plays all, all game. So I'm going to take the over here. Cause I think that he's going to have majority of the carries. And I also think Daryl Williams might actually have a big game if he does get the playing time. You make a good point there on Reed going, we need to stick to one guy. But when you have Shady McCoy, who is, I mean, he's earned his own touches. Like, we've seen his career. We've seen him have some highlight moments. And we've seen him run the ball efficiently as well. And with Damian Williams, we see a lot of efficiency in pass blocking and in the screen game. But Daryl Williams has been a physical runner for the Chiefs, and that's what they need to get to. They need to get back to that physicality in the run game and then build the pass off of it instead of going pass, 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 and then you're sitting here on second 14 like, maybe we should throw him for a loop and just run the ball straight up the middle. Like, that's not working. So at some point, I think they really need to figure it out, and I think Daryl Williams does play a big part in this game, and that's why I have Damian Williams under. Okay. Tyreek Hill. Had a great welcome back game and an awesome catch last week. Uh, we have him at 81 receiving yards. You going over or under? Um, I'm going to take the over here. I think he has a big game. I think he moves. The Chiefs are going to move him around a lot. Like we, you know, his injury didn't have anything to do with his legs. It had to do with kind of that that sternum collarbone connection of that being jammed up with Jalen Ramsey slamming on top of him. But I think this is a game where he explodes. I know I just took a pause there. I was trying to catch my breath for whatever reason of talking. I'm out of breath, man. 
I just I think he has a big game. And our next one is Travis Kelsey as well. And I think they both go over. Sorry to cut you, like just jump over you here, but I think they both have big games. The Chiefs are sick and tired of this. Kelsey has been having a physical matchup every single game with every linebacker corner that plays him. And he has success against the against the Broncos. And I don't know who the Broncos have that can cover both of these guys all game. Even Chris Harris Jr. I mean Every game last year, he would get done and be like, man, I ran more tonight than I have before any other game. And the Chiefs are just going to keep doing that. Okay, I'm going to go over on both as well. So we are the same on both of those. So, okay. I guess we're moving on to the next one, which is now the Broncos side. And that is starting out with, I have Jones still here because of last week. It's Flacco. I just forgot to change the name. The number's right, though, so good for me on that. Um, 236 passing yards for Joe Flacco. And I'm going to take the over because I honestly think that the Chiefs kind of get rolling here and get a huge lead, and Joe Flacco gets a lot of garbage yards at the end of the game, and that's why he's going to go over. I freaking hate you for thinking like me. But yeah, I I agree. I think he's going to have the over as well. Maybe not because of garbage time throws, but because the Chiefs don't have any corners right now. They don't have any help. Rashad Breeland is dealing with some personal issues. It seems like he has had family stuff going on. So he did not travel with the team yesterday and will not be playing tomorrow. So I think Joe Flacco, what we saw last week was him build a relationship with Cortland Sutton and through that, I think it explodes the Chiefs defense um, again this week for the pass and the run because they're weak in both areas. I guess I'll just keep breaking down my my analysis of this game as we go with the prop bets. But watching last, like watching the game over against the Texans for offense and defense, the offensive side of the ball was sloppy. There were several penalties within the first ten minutes of the game. They already had six penalties between false starts. Pass interference calls, defensive holding calls. Um, did I say false starts? Holding hands to the face. I mean, it was just stupid mental mistakes that cost the Chiefs that game ultimately. Um, it was calls from the refs as well, but that's just what the NFL is right now. The refs are trying to take a hold of games, and you hate to see it, but it is what it is. The Chiefs did not help themselves at all. That first drive was saved from the deep pass from Mahomes to Hill. Because of the free play, that's the only reason that that drive was maybe successful for the Chiefs and they got points on the board. Because other than that, it did not look pretty, and the rest of the game did not either. That defense, they are trying to figure out their personnel groupings in certain situations and games, in different yardage situations, in different points of the game. Like in different points, I mean in regards to first quarter, first half, fourth quarter, second half, just in those situations, what players do you want where and how are they doing in that game? To know Passano is a guy for the Chiefs that is going to be earning more playing time as the season goes on. I did tweet this um, all the other night on just kind of how everything is, but I think the Chiefs defense is going to be fine. Their linebackers, Hitchens is hurt. They brought in Raglan last week. It was finally nice to see him in short yard situations being in the game to stuff up the hole. Um, he did have a couple moments where he did that efficiently. Ben Neiman, I mean, his version of filling a hole is running directly into the offensive lineman. It is not even wanting to stop the running back. It's like, hey, there's a pulling guard. I'm sure the running back's directly behind him. Let me run into this 6'7", 320-pound dude as hard as I can. Oh, shit, I just made contact, and huh, 
There goes the running back. I mean, that's, that's just you watch it on film, and that's like what you see. And then Damian Wilson is thinking too much. He isn't seeing the hole. He isn't seeing the ball. And there's just there's not enough trust between the entire defense for them moving forward. And I think the Chiefs will figure it out. But watching last week was frustrating. If they don't figure it out against the Broncos, I don't know when they're going to figure it out. So this is literally my last hope for the Chiefs moving forward on their defense against this team, against the Denver Broncos and Denver. That's great. That's a lot of detail right there. So I'm not even going to add anything on there. So I'll just go through my picks then here at this point. Lindsay, I have... I'm going to go under 67 yards. Sanders, I'm going to go over. And then Sutton... I'm going to go... Oh man, that's tough. I'm gonna, I gotta go over. I'm going over on two thirty or yeah, two thirty six. I gotta go over on both. So I'm gonna go over on those two. Lindsay, I'm gonna say goes over. Okay. Sanders, I say goes under, and Sutton goes over. Okay. And I realize I just didn't say the numbers. So it was sixty seven yards for Lindsay. It was fifty two for Sanders, and seventy seventy one for Sutton. Real quick, is this receiving yards from Lindsay or rushing? It's rush. Okay, yeah, then I'm taking the over. Okay. He gone. He gone. All right, cool. Sounds good. I mean, that's that's Thursday night for us. Yeah, um, it's going to be somewhat of a game. I mean, I hope they protect Patrick Mahomes, and this isn't the game Von Miller's like, yep, I'm going to get to the quarterback because Patrick Mahomes is not throwing left-handed tonight. Yeah. Because he ain't rolling to the left, let me tell you that. Absolutely. All right, we'll move on to the next game. Side note, one of your very good friends is not too happy with our uh, our top 32. And it's it's all on me because sometimes I put the city name and sometimes I put the team name. I went through and fixed that for you. You for sure did not. <laughs> There's quite a bit that are not like that. So um, what did you do? I mix and matched them because I was just typing fast. <laughs> You son of a bitch. <laughs> so you sure um, fucking did. Denver, not Broncos. Yeah, Seattle, not the Seahawks. Yep, for Houston. Sure. <laughs> Come on, brother. Atlanta. <laughs> Dude, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> it's the same fucking thing, bro. Like we all know who I meant. <laughs> so yeah, it is what it is. I mean. <laughs> I was too, I was too busy having the correct thirty two to one to worry about what how I was doing. You were worried about that making it look pretty that you got things wrong. Is what? Is oh, okay. Yeah, it's me. I I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Let's I'm move getting on. I'm getting better at saying that. I'm sorry. I'm You're sorry. right. You're right. You're right. You're learning. You're learning. All right. Next Called game. Growth. Yeah, <laughs> growth. The Los Angeles Rams. With Jalen Ramsey versus the Atlanta Falcons. The Rams are three point favorites. Who do you got? Sorry for the pause there. I'm calling. I'm trying to do something. You'll see what I'm doing real quick. The Rams versus the Falcons. Rams by a mile. I mean, just smash the shit out of the over. They're going to blow them out of the water. You add Jalen Ramsey, who I think might be playing this weekend, actually. Um, the Falcons' defense is just too poor. This is a game for the Rams to really get their offense figured out, to get the run game going, and then 
allow Jared Goff to kind of get back in a rhythm moving forward for the rest of the season. The Falcons, I have nothing to look forward here. I totally agree. And low key, how and it's never how hilarious and it wouldn't be that funny because I'd never wish upon injury on anybody. But how funny would it be if Jared Goff got hurt and had to sit out the year and Jalen Ramsey then had to be on the team with Blake Bortles as a starting quarterback again? I was thinking about that today. Like, what if Blake Bortles has to come in and play? Oh, God, Jalen would be pissed. He'd be like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I hope not, because I really do hope Goff turns it around. I, he's he's going through a rough patch right here, and I, I really do want him to be successful. I really like J- uh, Jared Goff. So um, I think that this is going to be a shootout game, though. I really can see this being a super high-scoring game. Like, foul. Falcons defense is obviously garbage. Rams has been garbage. If Jalen plays, if he doesn't play, I still don't know how much better that pass defense is going to be because I just don't think they're very strong everywhere else on it. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Let's go to the next game. A huge number. I think this is the biggest number of the week. Yeah, it is. Dolphins at the Bills. And it is a 17-point spread for the Bills who are coming off a bye. You go first here. I'm going to take the Dolphins. Son of a bitch. <laughs> um, whoops, I just messed up our sheet a little bit. Um, I'm going to take the Dolphins because I think that this offense of the Bills, may it may take them a little bit to get going. After having a week off, Josh Allen, I, he just feels, to me, it, he feels like a guy that needs to be like on a roll and just continuously going, that like a bye week could actually hurt him for a little bit to like get back into the groove of things. And I have no data to back that up. That is strictly just gut feeling from what I see. Like, I feel like there, he never starts a game off hot. He always ends off games a lot better than what he starts coming off a bye. You have an extra week. So dolphins, they're only going to lose by 14 covering the spread. I freaking hate you because I've said, I said a couple weeks ago that I was never going to pick the Dolphins again, and then they got to have the Bills come out here with a fucking 17-point spread. This is atrocious. What is Vegas doing here? Does Vegas really think the Bills are going to win by 17? Yes, they do. That's why it's 17-point spread. No, that's why. I got to stop doing the mocking thing. That's got to be annoying. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm taking the Bills, man. I'm taking the Bills. Oh. Damn it, the Dolphins are starting Fitzmagic. It's, we're past Fitzmagic season. This is uh, Fitztragic season. That's what it's October. It's spooky. It's going to be a tragedy. Dolphins fans are going to remain sad. This is what they get for sitting Rosen once more because they're stupid, they're idiots, and they don't know how to build a franchise. And I hope it just continues this poor performance for them moving forward because how the hell can you sit Josh Rosen in this situation? Let me try that again. How can you sit Josh Rosen in this situation it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense it doesn't make any sense all right the bills are going to win by by 18 all right honestly i hope you're right i I really do you you need as much help as possible to catch back shut up next game here jaguars are traveling to cincinnati where the jaguars are actually favored by three and a half I'm actually going to take the Jaguars here. Yeah, they lost Ramsey. They realize this is a lot of noise. The only way to make up for it and quiet everyone is to blow out the Bengals, a team that is already playing very poor this season. AJ or yeah, AJ Green's not coming back this week, is he? Uh, he practiced 
at the end of last week. I haven't checked his status this week. I'm I think he's been upset. practicing. I'm just more upset that we don't get a Jalen Ramsey versus AJ Green 2.0. No pun intended with Ramsey being number 20, but uh, I really just wanted that matchup again. Oh, don't don't shake your head at me. That was creative. Get get the fuck out of here. I just meant the 2.0 again. Just, But, I mean, oh, yeah. you hate to see it. It is what, what it is. What do you say? 2.0. It's a decimal point, not a decimal dot. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna fight you on that. I'm, su- I'm, su- I'm surprised there was nothing else after. Like my jaw just hit the floor. Like, oh shit, I, I won. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say you won. I'd more say just let me live it. All right, yeah, you won. Damn. You, to- you totally won that for sure, for sure. So, uh, all right, here we go. Next game. Uh, actually, can I dive into this game a little bit? I just realized I didn't, and this is my team, so I'm gonna dive in. Uh, dude. Leonard Fournette has been so good ever since I talked shit on him. And I know this I said this last week, but he's just continuing to play very, very well. Like I'm very happy with what he's doing and what he's doing on this offense. DiPolippo's just playing him the way he should be played. So that's awesome. I think that Minshew really played like a rookie last year against the Saints. Like it was the first time where you're like, ah, there's there's the rookie. But I think he I think he rebounds. Obviously, Bengals are just not a very good team, so that's gonna help. And I think this is – I could see this – and obviously it's easy to say because the Bengals' offensive line is so bad. I could see this being the Josh Allen game where everybody's like, holy fuck, that Josh Allen kid is good. Like I could see like a a three-sack performance, forced fumble, that type of game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, Did you happen to go back and watch the, last, the game from last week against the Saints? Yes. Let's go ahead and hear that as well, because we didn't do a recap. So, oh, that's that's fair. So, again, kind of like I said, Minshew, like he really played like a rookie that game. But I just didn't. Sometimes this offense gets into these modes where I just don't feel like they're pl- doing all the best play calling. Uh, like they choose to just like try to dink and dunk all the time. But when they really let Minshew play like in that two minute drill style, where he's like scrambling around in the shotgun, being able to throw it deep, whatnot. Like, he, he's a lot better that way. They missed an outrageous defensive penalty, uh, pass interference that uh, really slowed them down on their final drive where I thought they were going to get another another score there. Uh, this defense, as well as they're actually kind of playing, like, they're not playing horrible, they're not playing great, but they're, they're, playing, they're playing pretty well for what they have right now. And but they're just not getting the turnovers. That's the difference with this Jaguars team compared to even two years ago. Like they're getting the pressure and everything. They're just not forcing the turnovers. So eventually that's gotta just they gotta break that and start start getting some. You gotta start forcing some tip passes, get some picks. Yannick Ngakwe is just known for the strip sack fumble. He only has he has two of those this year, but we've only recovered one. So he's gotta get he's gotta get more into that as well. So are you optimistic about the rest of the season now that Ramsey's gone, or do you think it makes a difference, or that big of a difference? Uh, honestly, I don't think that it, like, the defense has been playing fine without him, so I don't think that it's, like, something that's going to ruin it, but obviously it will hurt against, like, big-time guys. Like, I'm sure Hopkins is going to just fucking destroy them next time they play. But overall, the Jaguars' schedule is fairly easy the rest of the year, so I kind of like that. I mean, got the Bengals this week. 
Jets, obviously, Darnold makes that team a lot more dangerous, but I still think they can beat the Jets there. Then they got Houston and the Colts, which are tough, but then they got the Titans, the Bucks, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Falcons. Like, those are all winnable games. So I could easily see them finishing in that, like, 8-8 eight to eight range, which is what I was saying all offseason. Obviously, when we did our season proje- projections, I bought into the hype a little bit and said that they would win it at 9-7, and seven, but I could easily see an 8-8 eight and eight year, which... It's kind of rough because you're not making the playoffs at that, so now you're just getting a middle-round pick. But um, that's kind of where I think it's going to go. I really want to just see like when it gets to week 10 or whatnot when Foles can come back. Like, What are they going to do? Like, As well as Minshew's playing, if they're not winning games, they're going to switch back. Even if you don't, even if people don't feel like it's Minshew's fault that they're losing games, but if they're losing, the front office and the coaching staff will make the change back. You really think they will that fast? Instead they, of like sticking with the rookie to be the future, they're going to go back to Foles, who they might plan to get rid of? Uh, this front office and coaching staff, I don't believe in. So, yes. Yikes. I mean, that's going to be just as bad as the Dolphins. And if they do that, but yeah, that's not a good idea, dude. I, I could be totally wrong, but I just, it for me, it's, it's hard for me to say that they're going to get rid of their pride and joy in Foles. Uh, after a half of a game, which he was, he played very well that first half against the Chiefs. Like he was playing well before he got hurt. Yeah, I mean the the that throw to half DJ Chark that one drive. <laughs> so That's about as long as it was, but yeah. I mean, yeah, he it was breaks the, his collarbone by throwing a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. We'll see. I I hope they stick with Minshew, and just because he brings energy to that city and to the team. Which Nick Foles could as well. It's hard for me to not say that he's, or it's hard for me to say he's not because we don't know. Like he didn't really play in the preseason and he played half of the game. Yeah, that's fair. Um, our next game here, the Vikings are traveling to Detroit, where the Vikings are favored by one. This is a tough game to choose from because the Vikings have looked great the last couple of weeks. Ever since Adam Thielen came out and said, "Hey." We can't be a one-dimensional offense. That isn't going to work in the NFL. I mean, you have to mix the ball around. And he didn't say this directly. I mean, we'll sit here and say it for him. But they have pretty damn good receivers. Like, there's pretty good weapons on that team. And for them to just primarily be a running team, it wasn't going to work. So for him to stand up and say something to the media that reached Kirk Cousins, who reached the front office, who reached the coaching staff, it made a difference. Like, it made a change. And that's great for the Vikings moving forward because they are now hot. And Thielen is getting the ball. Diggs is getting the ball. Cook is still efficient in the ground game. And now everything's just clicking for the Vikings. Their defense is getting to the is getting to the quarterback. And you're not really seeing anything wrong. And then with the Lions, they, they lost a close one to the Chiefs. They go to bye week and they come back and they honestly just get screwed by the refs. I mean, those two hands-to-the-face penalty on Trey Flowers was – was blatantly wrong. It was unnecessary for those call to be made. I mean, I guess you can see it, but like everyone says, you got to get to a point where you can review a call and go, hey, that's not right. Pick that flag up. It doesn't need to be a huge like challenge process and take more time. There just needs to be someone off top that goes, hey, bad call. Take the flag up. Keep moving the game forward because that lost the Lions the game. And so I think they're sitting here pissed. And if you're playing pissed, you're pissed off playing a team that has everything clicking. So, I mean, one's got to cancel each other out, right? I mean, everything just cancels out, and it really just comes down to who wants it more. 
and I think it's going to be the Lions. So I'm actually going to take the Lions in this game. They do have good corners. They have a good defense. Their offense appears to be doing better. It was enough against the Packers' defense to keep them in the game as their kicker, I think, scored all 21 points for them, if I'm not wrong. No one had a touchdown for the Lions. No, uh, Carrion Johnson had a touchdown. Carrion Johnson had a touchdown. Okay. Maybe it was fantasy then that my buddy was talking about when he said he had, that Prater had, had 21 tw- points. He had 21 points in fantasy. That's so freaking stupid. That's why we don't have kickers in our fantasy league, because inconsistent. <laughs> and it pisses everyone off. Yep. But I just I think the Lions make a difference here against the Vikings. I do like what the Vikings have going forward for them, but I'm just I'm I'm sticking with the Lions here for sure. I'm going with the Vikings. And it is more because I think that it's gonna take the Lions additional week to get over the questionable calls from the referees to say the least um we'll go with that i'm gonna say it's gonna take them a week to get over that and if i could see if there's any call that starts to go there not their way i could see players starting to get really frustrated and that's it i think it's still going to be a very close game i think that this viking or detroit team is very very good i think that they just lose one more and then they start to go on a winning streak that's fair. That makes sense. Um, our next game, the Oakland Raiders are traveling to Green Bay to play the Packers, where the Packers are favored by four and a half. I'm taking the Packers here. The way they played last week, they got a lot to grow off of. The receiver and core. Um, I think Devontae Adams will be coming back this game, so that does make a huge difference. The Raiders secondary is getting beat up. Their running game is the only thing that scares me here, and maybe Derek Carr as well. Because they're both looking pretty damn good. And John Gruden look appears to have everything rolling his way. But I think the Packers here kind of shut everything down and then head to Kansas City the next week for Sunday Night Football. I'm going to go with Oakland here. I, I've picked them the last few games, and it's gone my way. So I'm going to say that they do keep this one close. I'm going to say the Packers still win, but I just don't know if they cover that four-and-a-half-point spread. I think off of a bye, they've spent the whole extra week probably planning for this offense, trying to understand it. And I think that, yeah, Jacobs and Williams, I think that they can, those two can generate enough offense. And same with both of their tight ends. I think both of the tight ends can have a big week. So I think that they'll have just enough offense and the defense can slow down the Packers. I think they'll kind of ball out against the run, bail out against the run, and then, yeah, Devontae Adams is always a scary part, right? Because I don't know if they have anybody in that in that defensive backfield that can really slow him down. I'm kind of talking myself out of this, but I'm going to stick with it, and I'm going to say that the Raiders get up big early, and then the Packers come back. Kind of just exactly what happened with the Bears, but... Unlike the Bears, I think the Packers end up finding a way to pull it out. I like it. I like it. Um, Our next game here, the Texans are traveling to Indianapolis to play the Colts, where this game is even. Uh, we have not seen this yet this year. I mean, why, why is it even? We saw it one other time. It, with the Bengals and 49ers week two, it was even. They just they say it's a pick game. It happens. That is right. We did see it there. Yeah, it, it I happened. I may have lost that too. You did. 
You chose. You literally chose the Bengals to beat the 49ers. Okay, John Ross had just had 150 yards Yikes. receiving, and Andy Dalton said, "Hello NFL, I've heard you all off season." Since Hate. then, not so hot. But Hate to start, it. I bought in. All right, I bought into the hype. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna go first here, and I'm going to take the Texans. And I'm gonna take the Colts. <clears throat> okay. All right. Go ahead with the explanation. I totally cut you off there. That's all right. That's all right. It happens. I'm used to it at this point. Not just from you, but from my wife. It, you know, it's story of my life. So, I, I think that this team is hitting on all cylinders right now. Obviously, huge game against the Falcons. I know the Falcons team sucks, and then they go into Kansas City. They beat Kansas City. Jeez, you got you really got to stop with the mocking thing. So I, but I love. I just love what they're doing, right? So they have they have Fuller going strong. They obviously have Hopkins, who's not having that great of a year compared to his past few years, but still, like he's just he he demands so much attention. The what they're doing with Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde is awesome. I love the way that they're pl- mixing those two together. Uh, their tight end Fells is just making plays left and right every single time I turn on a Houston Texans game. He's having a big catch. It's crazy to me. And then with the Colts, obviously they're coming off a big win two weeks ago. Sorry, I'm not going to say against two. And so that was a big thing for them going into the bye. But how do they how do they come back from the bye week? I, that's one thing I actually want us to look into more is what are coaches' records coming out of a bye? I know obviously we know Andy Reid is very good. You've talked about it numerous times, but we should we should actually dive into that a little bit with other coaches. We that, That'll be one of our segments coming up. Uh, but I think that the Texans just have so much confidence right now, and they'll find a way to slow down the running game with Mac, and then they'll keep their eye on T.Y. Hilton that just everybody else isn't going to be able to make enough plays to keep up with the high-powered Houston offense. I mean, yeah, that all makes sense. But I think the bye week is the advantage for the Indianapolis Colts here. They were dealing with a lot of injuries in their secondary. Their offense was looking good, but they got kind of beat up in that Chiefs game. And then, like I said, in the defense, the linebackers they were short on. The defensive line may have been the only thing that was truly healthy, and their secondary had just fallen apart. I mean, I think they were down to their seventh spot in the depth chart for their secondary. Excuse me, safety and corners combined. So – I think the Colts can make a difference here. I think the bye week is an advantage for them. They watched the Chiefs play the Texans. They just played the Chiefs. So, I mean, both teams that have recently beat the Chiefs are facing off. And I think it's Indianapolis that comes out on top. With Frank Wright, it's going to be hard to see the difference on what his record is on coming off a bye week because he only has one other opportunity. But this game is going to be a huge difference for the Colts coming off to, with an opportunity to get healthier heading into this week against Houston, like Tree said, who is clicking on all cylinders. That's all I have for this game. The Cardinals and the Giants. The Giants are favored by three, and at home, I mean, they get the they get the at home favored by three. The Cardinals are coming off a big win against the Falcons because the kicker cannot just kick an extra point. That is what makes the game so enjoyable. Now that they have moved the extra point field goal back. It's not just an easy gimme point to tie up the game. It's a, hey, this is a high-pressure moment. And I honestly do like the fact that they have moved it back. In regards to this game, I'm taking the Giants. Their defense looked great. No, mm, let me slow down there. Their defense looked good against the Patriots. 
They were getting to Tom Brady. They were stuffing the run at times, and then they were making plays when needed. And then the offense just kind of shot themselves in the foot with turnovers, and it really just cost them the game. Arizona here, yeah, they looked great last week. Kyler Murray seems to be kind of getting everything rolling, feels a lot more comfortable. It seems as if the game has, in a way, slowed down for him. But I think the Giants' defense is just too much. I don't know if he's really faced a defense like this that seems to be as ready as what the Giants are. Like The Giants' defense really just seems to be on a different level at this point. Um, in the season is ready to play. And I think they can get pressure to Murray and maybe show him a couple different things that he hasn't seen yet. Cool. I'm going to take the Cardinals. I think they win another one here. Uh, we kind of talked about this last episode. I think that Cliff Kingsbury is just making great adjustments from what he was doing early in the year compared to what he's doing now. Like I know that he's switching up a lot of his formations now. Like he used to be in a lot of 10 formation and he was like a league high. We actually talked about this. This is one of the tree civias of who ran the most five wide out sets and it was him by a landslide. And then now he's hardly doing it at all. It was like something like 75% of the time week one. And now it's down to, like less than 15%. So I think that he's really adjusting well. Um, other things just compared to last year's Cardinals team. So last year's Cardinals team was 32nd in points. Right now they're 17th um, yardage wise. They were 32nd last year. They're 10th this year. Like a lot of people don't realize, like when you think of the Cardinals offense, they're 10th in yards. That's pretty incredible for what they're doing right now. Um, first down, they're right in the middle of the pack. They're around 15th. Um, they're averaging five yards per carry as a team. I think that's awesome. I think that that really takes a lot of pressure off of Kyler Murray. And given some of the, that is because of Kyler Murray because he's using his legs. So I think that's awesome. And I think that it's going to be a game that is really decided by like um, just pinning teams deep, right? Like getting them playing playing field position. Jesus Christ, I was struggling to get that out. Field position there. And one of the things that the Cardinals are actually doing pretty well is last year, and I'm going off a lot of last year stats, and I know it's not the, completely the same, but they have a lot of the same players. Last year, they were only averaging 20 yards per possession, per drive, basically. And this year, they're averaging 34. And that, I think that 15 yards is going to be very big for them pinning each other deep and then they're just going to be waiting for which rookie makes that mistake and i think that's going to be the biggest thing and honestly i don't think it's going to be kyler murray i think he's been fairly safe with the ball i mean the first three games i think he had or sorry first two games he had three picks and he only has four on the season so i think he only has one in the last two or three games so um, and you can't say that for Daniel Jones. He has a lot of interceptions. After that first week against Tampa Bay, which he was obviously very careful with the ball and had a monster game, he's been kind of careless with the ball ever since. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to the Cardinals. I like it. Way to break that down too. Damn, you had a lot of stats there. Thank you. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, our next game, though, is the 49ers. They are traveling to Washington where the Niners are favored by 10. And I'm going to keep riding this Niners bandwagon. Boy, they are looking good. Their defense is fast, physical, and just deadly, dude. They are literally all over the field. The pass rush is there. The secondary is being smart. They played the Rams last week, and they didn't look like they were 
distraught, disoriented, or anything through the whole game, which is great for them. And you're going to go play the Redskins, who are all out of whack, a new coaching staff. Case Keenum is a quarterback. All you got to worry about is Terry McLaurin. But other than that, you are pretty damn good to go. So I'm taking San Francisco here for sure. Yeah, so am I. I I mean, they're San Francisco is the top five team in this league. Redskins are a top bottom three team in this league, depending on who you're talking to. And I just don't think this game is close. I think that the Niners probably get ahead super high early in the first half. And you're going to see a lot of like Jeff Wilson in this game. And uh, the what's that other guy's name? Robert Mozart. Is that his name? Mozart? I can't remember. That one. sounds right. Yeah. I think you're you asking see... the wrong guy on how to pronounce the name, by the way. <laughs> that, that's fair. Uh, I could see them doing that. And and Brita and Tevin Coleman, Tevin Coleman just not getting a lot of yards. So uh, just because they they get up so much. So I'm going to go with the Red, uh, 49ers to beat the Redskins by more than 10. I'm with you. Our next game is the Chargers versus the Titans. And the Titans are two-point favorites. <clears throat> You want me to go first? Hmm. Or do you want to go first here? I'll go ahead and go first. The Titans are starting Ryan Tannehill. Marcus yeah. Mariota's season, time, career in Tennessee is over. It's cut off. Zilch. He done. He gone. But the main reason is going to be because he has not had a steady offensive coordinator and he has not shown the ability to adjust in the NFL and make the proper reads. He continues to make mistakes over and over and over, no matter who the offensive coordinator is, because every offensive coordinator is telling you to not throw to the other team. And that is a Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston special. So I think that's why they are both done. The Chargers, though. They've looked rough the last couple weeks. A lot of early tone, a lot of early turnovers from Phillip Rivers, whether it's fumbles, whether it's interceptions, is just truly costing them games. So this is the game for them to really just kind of get everything rolling again. It will be tough against the Titans because their pass rush. Man, I cannot talk today. The pass rush has been somewhat effective throughout the year, and their secondary has looked okay. But the Chargers have a newfound weapon in Hunter Henry. It is nice to see what their offense looks like with the healthy tight end back now that Antonio Gates is old and retired. Then you have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen on the outside with the speed of Benjamin. And then you have Gordon in the backfield. And he's already come out and said, hey, we need to get in a rhythm on offense. And the best way to do that is just give me the ball and give me carries. And let's just get rolling. And I think that's exactly what they're going to do. And I feel bad for the Titans because the Chargers are pissed off with the way they've played the last couple weeks, and their offense is looking complete. And you you stole a lot of the things that I was going to say there. Uh, so I'm not going to add much to it. I think that the Chargers end up rolling in this one. I think that they do get going. And I think you're right on Melvin Gordon. I think that he this is one of those games that he's probably going to have like 100 total yards and two touchdowns. Like just – a classic Melvin Gordon game, like 75 receiving or 75 rushing yards, another 30 to 40 receiving and a couple of touchdowns probably has one rushing one receiving. Like it just feels like that. That's going to happen. Yep. All right. Moving on to the next one. We have the saints versus the bears coming off a bye, and they are three point favorites. The bears are favorites. Correct. Yeah, give me the Saints. What the <laughs> hell is this bullshit? Get get the fuck out of here. Yeah, the Saints, thank you. That's I mean that's it. 
Yeah, I'm going with the Saints as well. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty simple to me. Even with the Bears coming off of a bye, like I yeah. still think that the Saints—they're just rolling right now. Marcus Lattimore is playing unreal right now. He is playing so well. He shut down Mike Evans two weeks ago. Last week, he slowed down DJ Chark. Had five catches for like 35, 40 yards. Plus, he had a pick. And Cameron Jordan. Sorry, I had to make sure I was saying it right. Cameron Jordan, not Jordan Cameron. Cameron Jordan is... Fat, like he got paid this offseason and he's showing why he's he's having a monster year. He's playing fantastic. Uh Davis, the linebackers play like this defense is carrying the team. I mean, the offense isn't doing it like it's not being bad, but it's carrying this team. I mean, they only scored 13 points against the Jags last last yesterday. Usually offense only scores 13 points. You're usually losing the game. So uh I'm with you on this. I I think that that's gonna happen. I wanna see if uh, what's the head coach for the Bears' name? Nagy. Yeah, Matt Nagy. Yeah, uh, I hope that he figured out what to do with his fucking running backs. Uh, I just hope that he figures out how to play Montgomery, how to play Cohen, and uses Mike Davis very, very, very sparingly. I mean, you can wish in one hand, shit in the other, and tell me which one fills up faster. I mean, really. So Matt Nagy's not going to have any idea what to do there with the running back situation. It's going to be the same old, same old. And Montgomery's just not going to get the carries. I said what I said. I'm not going to explain it. Just look it up. It's a term. It's a thing. I'm surprised you haven't heard of it before. I've never heard that before. I'm pretty sure you just made it up. Definitely haven't. (laughs) You're not that creative. All right. Moving on. Wowzers. Yeah, just go ahead. Keep going here, champ. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Baltimore Ravens versus the Seattle Seahawks. I am very, very excited for this game. And we have, let's see, it is the Seahawks favored by three and a half points. I'm gonna take the Ravens. Don't feel great about it. Not at all, but I'm gonna do it. Uh... They traded for Marcus Peters this week. Uh, let's see how that turns out for them after a, a lot of injuries to their defensive backs. I think that Mark Ingram is going to have a huge game, and I think that Justice Hill is going to be the X factor in this game. Wow. That's I name we haven't heard this year yet. Yeah, I think he had a few. I think he only had like four carries last week, but they all looked good. And I think that he's going to bring some speed to this offense that defenses don't want to see when Lamar Jackson's already at quarterback. When you start thinking about them doing, we talked about this last week, how they need to be more creative with their wide receivers. And I don't know if Hollywood's going to play. I know that he's hurt right now, but if he does, if they find a way to get some sort of option or just a lot of motion with Hill, Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown, I mean, it's, like a poor man's version of the chief's offense when it comes to speed. Yeah, that's a really good point. Another thing that I'm surprised you didn't touch up on. This is Earl Thomas's return. You're right. I didn't bring that up and that's a fair point. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't think about it. I mean, it still goes in your favor of the picks. No, for sure. Because I wanted to take Seattle here, but man, you made a lot of good points because I'm trying to think on how this defense is going to stop the offense. 
I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, well, it's pretty easy now that Marcus Peters is there and Earl Thomas is returning. But Marcus Peters has not looked good against bigger receivers. No, yeah. Which the Seahawks have in Metcalf, who's physical, strong, and fast. He's not going to break him in route running, but he is going to out-physical him. And Marcus Peters is notorious for not wanting to tackle. I will say this. I think that they spy him with, like, a Brandon Carr. Brandon Carr is a very physical cornerback. I could see them saying that. And then Marcus Peters, you're go like you're gonna have to find a way to go into the slot and everything with Tyler Lockett. I just think that's tough. Because Humphreys is still playing. Yeah, for sure. But he's more of an outside guy and he'll just stay on the other side. But I could be totally wrong. Obviously. Man, this is really just up in the air because if Seattle gets the running game going with Carson. And then Russell Wilson can just make magic happen like he always does. It's going to be a different ball game, especially in Seattle. But this is the Earl Thomas return game. No, I'm sticking to my gut. This is the Seahawks. I'm taking the Seahawks to win this by three and a half. All right. I mean, it's hard to go against Seattle at home. Like my rules actually usually to always just take Seattle at home. The odds are in your favor for sure. I'm just worried that. Jackson's going to hit Mark Andrews across the middle for like a touchdown and a key point in the game. And it's going to, it's going to help them cover at least win. And I'm going to be sitting here just like, damn it. I freaking called that. Yeah. One of who looked to really struggle in pass coverage last week that I've just never seen is Bobby Wagner. He seemed like when I watched that game, I just always felt like he was like three or four steps behind the guy he was guarding. They were trying to have him go man to man. And you could tell he was getting frustrated. Even on the touchdown that he gave up, he you could tell he was super frustrated. Like, almost like, why are we doing this? Like, I need to just be in a zone where I can just kind of roam this middle of the field. But um, just something I noticed against the Browns game. Hmm. I didn't notice that, but that's a really good point. I do know that he got beat a couple times on some, like, slant routes or routes across the middle of the field, you know, that went towards the sideline. Yeah. But Yeah, I mean, Go- that's a... That's a good point, though. Go watch the game, like after this, like not the whole game, but like do the condensed version where it's going to only show like that, or just go watch the highlight and watch that touchdown that he gave up, and watch his body language after the play. It's it's interesting. It caught my eye. Um, okay. Moving on to the Sunday night game, we have the Eagles versus the Cowboys in Dallas, and the Cowboys are three point favorites. Um, I'm taking the Eagles. Doug Peterson came in and said, hey, we're going to go beat the Cowboys, and then we're going to be the division leaders. And, boy, I believe him. That man's going to give you ice cream on Saturday night before the game, after the meeting, um, and then he's going to go into Jerry Jones Stadium and say, hey, uh, I'm your daddy now, and we're the leader of this division, and we're going to walk out here with the W, and you're going to have a good night, sir, because... Dak can't play quarterback right now. And good luck paying him millions of dollars. <laughs> uh, I actually really want to take the Cowboys this game, but I'm not going to. And it's Go ahead. Because, no, because I don't think Amari Cooper's going to play. And I just don't know what this offense can be without him. I think that you, you see very similar to what they were the first five weeks of the year last year when they didn't have him. So, uh, I wonder who's like who has a huge game, and I know the obvious one is like Michael Gallup, but I just don't know if he could be like that guy without somebody like Amari Cooper on the other side. Just strictly <laughs> for the Cowboys? 
Yeah. Like who has a big game? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think it's freaking Zeke. It's like they have not sorry, been feeding meant, him the ball. I meant wide receivers. Sorry. Oh, okay. Since since Cooper's probably not going to play, I'm just trying to think here. I know they used Taven uh, or Austin, Taven Austin, a lot, and he looked he looked good, but like he's just not the big threat guy, right? Um, Gallup, I mean, he has been, but I just again, I just don't think that he can be the guy. It's almost like it's going to be Witten. It's almost like one of those Witten games where he has like this random 12 catch, 100 yard game. Even though he's 96 years old and he's, it looks like he's running in mud, but he gets open every time. He's got, he is now officially in the Antonio Gates category. We're like, dude, how are you even moving? Like, are you moving? And yet he's just open and just, oh, third down and seven. Okay, I'll go to the seven and a half yard line and uh, catch it and fall down and we'll just move, move the sticks. That's actually a really good prediction there. <laughs> Like I really like that. <laughs> Thank you. I don't like how you picked. I mean, you sure you don't want to pick the Cowboys here? You, you convinced me. I'll take Dallas. Thank God. I'll what take Dallas. Idiot. What, what an idiot. idiot! Yeah. All right. Let's go Cowboys. All right, Patriots. Monday night, traveling to New York, where the Patriots are favored by ten against the Jets. I'm actually going to take the Jets to cover here. Their defense looked alive, and their offense looked different. It looks like they had something to build upon. Sam Darnold's looking good. Um, quite the return from almost dying. Uh, hopefully he doesn't die this game. But, <laughs> boy, I'm sticking with the Jets, dude. I like it. Tom Brady's been getting hit a lot and been making silly mistakes, and the Jets look to capitalize off of those type of mistakes. And I'm, I'm going to be watching this game Monday night. Oh, I absolutely will because – Jamison Crowder is going to go for another 12-catch, 100-yard game because that guy, I feel like he's our guy. I kind of feel like that. Like, we've talked about him quite a bit. Like Says the dude who just picked New England. <laughs> I, I do. But, well, I'm just saying, like, you, just because we pick, because we like a guy, and we, we called that he was going to have a big year before it happened, and then... That's what I'm saying. But I still think that New England wins because I think that Sam Darnold still has... The case of silly turnovers every once in a while. Obviously, this year it's hard to say that because he's already played two games. But I think that the Patriots just find ways to force the turnover some more. And and I just think that they end up winning by more than 10. I think that sounds like Gordon's probably not going to play. So I could see a big Philip Dorsett game. I could see another just huge performance from Edelman. And then I wonder if Burkhead gets back. If they do, I could see them just playing a lot of the, let's just hit the wide receivers. Let's make these linebackers try to guard these guys one-on-one being with James White and Burkhead. And then just try to grind out some yards with uh, Sony Michelle. So, But overall, I think that, yeah, I think it's one of those things that it's a good game and it's very close and entertaining, but the final score may not actually show that. I think that the... Jets may, or sorry, the Patriots may pull away late to maybe even a 17-point win, but really it was like a seven-point game majority of the game. I hope you're wrong. I can't believe you baited me into this taking Dallas. You literally just baited me into it, and I took it. Just fucking took it. Uh, Hit the sale. Thanks for the commission. See you next week. Yeah. That's all right. 
I hope I win just so I can come back next week and just let you have it. You know, at this point, I would usually mock you, but I've grown this episode. So I'm just going to let you roll out, and that's been it. Yeah, so we, we mentioned that we were going to give our uh, top 15. We, we didn't get <laughs> to it, though. So uh, if you guys want to see our uh, top 32, our power rankings here, just go to Twitter. You guys can see it. Give us shit. Tell us who's right. Tell us who's wrong. We all know I'm right, but hey. Actually, you have a lot of things that are very similar to me, so you're pretty close. I'm pretty sure mine was up there first, but yeah, pretty similar. Was it, though? Because like, didn't you say it was on a different spreadsheet? Well, so I mean, it was I already done. It. I just had to copy and paste it. Yeah, So, but I couldn't see it, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just hurry and do this. Who's your top five? Go for it. Top five. I mean, we honestly already know who number one is here. We both have the Patriots at number one. Easy decision. Number two, who do you have? The 49ers. I think they are looking pristine. And when they get their offensive lineman back in McGlitchy and their tight end and Mr. Juice, I'm not sure if you saw those tweets, uh, one of the offensive uh, linemen's daughters for the 49ers, I don't remember, I think it was uh, Staley's daughter, um, wrote notes to the players that are injured and said, sorry for your boo-boo, and like drew a picture of them and put a Band-Aid on like where they're hurt, and it's both their legs, and it's like an actual Band-Aid. It's freaking adorable. That's but awesome. uh, once they come back, I think that's the difference for the 49ers. Their defense looks great. I talked about it earlier in the episode, so I have them right there behind the Patriots at number one and two. Okay. They were a super hard team for me to put somewhere. I ended up putting the Texans at number two. Kind of what we talked about during the just previews. I just think they're hitting on all cylinders. I think they have a great combination of offense and defense. Not not any true weaknesses there. So I have the Houston Texans at number two. That that shocked me. But here at number three, we both have the Saints. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. They're doing just enough to kind of keep themselves winning games. Their defense is looking great. And the offense is right now just kind of blah, but doing enough to help them win. Yes. Number four, that's where I have the 49ers. I mean, they're undefeated. One of two teams, You, to me, uh, they have to be in the top four. And they had to be one of the top two teams in the NFC. So uh, easy decision there. It was very hard, actually, for me to choose between the Saints and 49ers. I, I flip-flopped those two a couple times. And it just ended up with the Saints. I just trust the Saints a little bit more. I got you. Um, I went with the Packers. I think their offense is still growing. I think it's still developing. They're starting to kind of find their niche and what works and what doesn't and what they like and what they don't. Their defense, we've already seen. They're starting to make plays. They're showing out. It's awesome what Aaron Rodgers' Packers-led team can do when they actually have a defense that he can trust so he's not putting so much pressure on himself to get the ball down the field or make plays and ultimately stay healthy for later into the season. So this is why I have the Packers at number four. Awesome. And my number five is your Kansas City Chiefs. I think there are too many people that are overreacting to the last two weeks. I think that, yes, they're having a tough time stopping the run, but I think that the defense is very beat up. I think that they will adjust, and I think they will get healthy. And in three or four weeks from now, when the Chiefs offense is back to doing what it was doing all last year and what it was doing early this year, everybody's going to have them in the top three or four again. Everybody's going to be like, yep, the Chiefs are what we thought they were. And so I just think that people are overreacting. 
uh, the, over a couple of tough losses. Like it's not like they got blown out. Both of them were came down the fucking wire, even yeah. with how bad the defense was playing and how bad the offense was playing in all reality. I mean, the offense hasn't played well the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, you make a solid point. I just did, wasn't comfortable with putting there at number five with the teams that I have in front of them. Um, the Seahawks I have here at number five. They're just they're looking too good right now. Russell Wilson is having an MVP type season. Um, he should be the lead for MVP of the league and all in in my opinion. And their defense is not what we're used to seeing Seattle be, but they're being enough to help Russell Wilson continue to do what he's doing. So you have Russell Wilson ahead of Deshaun Watson right now for MVP. If you take Russell Wilson, I mean, I guess you could say the same thing for Deshaun Watson, but I feel like if you take Russell Wilson out of that team, it falls apart. Like 100%. Like there's no one else that's going to be making those type of throws or plays for them. Deshaun Watson, you have a running back by committee. You have some of the best receiver. Like you have one of the best receivers in the game, and you have a defense that has several talent, like several premier players. Oh, my God. Several people along the defensive line that are premier talents in the NFL. I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I'm, I'm yeah. curious. So um, I think those two are clearly one and two right now, and I don't think that anybody else is close. And that includes Patrick Mahomes, Christian McCaffrey, Lamar Jackson, like any of them. I, I think that they're clearly a tier two below. It, it's one of those two to lose, in my opinion. Yeah. So Cool. Uh, if you guys want to see the other however many, 27 teams, uh, just check, our, check out our Twitter. This has been a long enough episode. Everybody's got other shit they need to do. We understand. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I'm excited for week seven. You got your team. You got your game tomorrow, tonight for everybody else. So, Austin, good luck to you. I'm sure we'll be talking all during the game. And everybody, good luck in fantasy. Good luck to your teams. We appreciate you guys listening. And tonight we've been talking football.